Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about Vit Krenchy and him finally getting bought out from his overseas contract and then I'm going to be bringing back this series Buyer Bluff. I've done a couple of these before on the podcast. It's been a long time though but I'm bringing it back because there is a rumor that Colin Sexton has been linked to the Oklahoma City Thunder in a trade. But first, we got to start out with Vic Krejci, man. And this is a guy who I've, I've been monitoring throughout the year. So I feel pretty good talking about him. Whenever there was kind of blue speculation surrounding him, you know, there's just a lot. There was a lot that's been surrounding Vic Krejci. But we haven't gotten any set in stone stuff as to what his future looks like with the Thunder. Now we got it. And we got it. I guess yesterday, as I am recording this, but he got bought out. The Thunder bought out his overseas contract with Basket Zaragoza. And if you guys are not familiar with that team, I'm really not either, but they are part of the Liga ACB in Spain. So that's one of the top tier leagues, actually. And I believe before this, he played either one or two seasons in the Premier League. Before that, I think he started at age 14. Uh, kind of in that environment with them. I think he started out in the lower tiers, but he worked his way up. And yeah, now he is finally out from that. And the Thunder, they have full rights to Vit Kredgy now. And if you guys aren't familiar with Vit Kredgy, it's totally cool. It's been a long time since he's really been in any sort of news coverage. But the Thunder ended up trading for Vit Kredgy back in last year's draft. And what it was, was the Thunder, they ended up moving away Cassius Winston, I think it was like the 53rd or 54th pick, traded Cassius Winston, and then they traded a future second round pick to the Washington Wizards, and in return, they got the 37th pick, and they got Admiral Schofield, a second rounder from two years ago, so it was a really good deal already because... You know, the Thunder's pick, 53rd or whatever, that's pretty bad value. You hopscotch a lot, get a guy in Schofield. Obviously, Schofield didn't work out, but Krejci, he is on a clean slate. And that is who the Thunder elected to pick there at 37. And looking back at it, that was a steal of a draft pick. And I'm going to go into that just in a little bit. But Vic Krejci was an amazing pick by Sam Presti at the time. And truthfully, he still is. But they ended up picking him up. But really the only reason he was in that draft class and the only reason the Thunder could get him was because of what happened a couple months prior to the draft, which I believe was in November. I might be a little bit off on that. I think it was in November, but whenever they had the draft two months ago, I guess back end of September, Vic Kredge actually tore his ACL. So he was done for the season. He had to pull out from Zaragoza's year. He played two games with them in the 20. 2021 season so same season as what we just saw here but he got hurt I'm assuming then he put his name in the draft class and we scooped him up but if he did not get injured I'm of the belief he probably would be in this draft pool and he would not be really in the Thunder's future so it was it was really just I I wouldn't say good timing you don't want to wish injury on anybody but the fact Kredgy got injured Kind of led to him being in the Thunder's grasp anyways. But he ended up hurting uh, his ACL. And whenever the Thunder picked him up, I mean, Krejci moved to Oklahoma City. And he's literally just lived here for the past year. And if you guys ever follow him, he's a really good follow on Instagram. I don't think he does anything on Twitter. It's pretty dead there. But 
on Instagram, he's always he always has live stories. And from start to finish, start of the year to even as of a couple days ago when I last checked, he's always showing updates to him and his rehab process, him in Oklahoma City. He's even doing workouts at 5 a.m. in the Thunders practice facility. So you have to love where his mindset is currently at. And I mean, to get even deeper into it, he's ingrained in the Thunder organization right now because there are stories you can go back. He was at Darius Baisley's birthday party like two, three weeks ago. And even like a couple months ago, Brandon Rabar from Daily Thunder, he ended up reporting this through a tweet, but he literally was in attendance for some of the home games. And the way that it works is obviously he wasn't on the Thunder's 15 man roster. He's not sitting courtside or anything, but he just checked in just like the media did. And hey, he got really, really good seats to some of those Thunder games. So he was able to look at some of his future teammates. That's what we're expecting with Kredgy, but he was able to watch them play, able to rehab, and the best part about it was Kredgy had the access to the Thunder facilities, and it's because of kind of one of those under-the-rug moves that happened back in January or uh, or February of this year because Kredgy was actually signed to an OKC Blue contract, and Joe Mosato of the Oklahoman reported this back then, and I wrote it down, I jotted it down, but I didn't really think much of it, and I honestly didn't even know if he was on the roster at some points because he never made the jump. He never attended Orlando for the G League bubble, which is understandable, but I didn't even see him on some of the rosters, and the one Musato had showed him on the roster. Clearly, he signed a deal with them, but because of the deal, like I said, he got like first-class access to the team, so he was pretty much already ingrained, and he had... The medical team alongside him I'm assuming if he's you know linked to the Oklahoma City Blue but he was already under wraps in one of those G League contracts which is very very confusing considering just now the Thunder had to buy him out but can he really be on an overseas deal but also at the same time be on a deal with an NBA G League team like it's really mind it's mind-boggling. I don't understand the full details of it, and it's really just been a murky story, but we finally saw some light at the end of the tunnel with him because now, like I said, they finally ended up buying his full contract out from Basket Zaragoza, and when they did this, I couldn't find a dollar amount, and like, there's literally paywalls to find out how much this guy was making. That's very weird to me, I wasn't going to pay to figure out how much the Thunder were going to pay this guy, right? Or pay the organization out. But last offseason, he did sign a three-year contract with the team. He finished that first season. So I guess two years left on his deal that had to be paid out by the Thunder. I'm assuming it's nothing that crazy um, because it's not like Vic Krejci was this big, big name guy. Even when he was drafted, it was kind of just like, oh, hey, that guy... He exists. He wasn't like the Gabrielle Dex or the Michiches where you got people tossing them like monstrous contracts. You never see this stuff typically. Vic Krejci was just another normal up and comer within the league of ACB. So I don't think it was that horrendous of a deal for the Thunder to pay him off. And especially in NBA terms, they're probably giving them a couple pennies, like two, three million dollars, whatever you move on. Krejci is now going to be, uh, be with you. So it's a great deal, and with the potential this guy has, 
yeah, I mean, it's lovely we brought him in, and I'll probably go more into detail on his skill set and his timeline in another podcast, but he's going to be in the perfect situation with the Thunder right now because he's 21. He, like, just turned 21 years old, by the way, but he's 21 years old, six foot eight as a point guard, and the Thunder have two avenues to go with him, and I've been clamoring for months. I feel like Vic Krejci is the perfect candidate for a two-way contract. Hell, I guess you might even toss him a bone in training camp, see where where he goes there, but I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you just put in the blue. If you're going to bring him in, he needs to be able to play with the big boys here because the way the Thunder is currently constructed, we're not going to be going to the play-ins. We're not looking at the playoffs. This is a full-on rebuild here, and we just got done with the first season of it. SGA is great. He's a dude that we're going to be centering our rebuild around for the next three, four years before you even consider what else could be out there, right? So he's clearly going to be the forefront, but outside of him right now, you got that number six, you got 16, 18. It's just a ton of sweeteners. We don't have any surefire stars outside of SGA right now. So, I mean, you want to be venturing towards all potential routes you could get, and Vit Krejci is a guy who has really good potential for what was the 37th pick last year. So you're not going to play him and give him that G League treatment. We had plenty of amazing guys in the G League. And I actually, I saw on Instagram, one of my favorite players from the blue, Rob Edwards, ASU guy, by the way, played with Dort for a little bit. He's still in Oklahoma City, so I think he might be staying. I don't know about guys like Horde, Josh Hall. I know he's still kind of around, but... I'm assuming that there's still going to be a pretty good foundation on that team. We don't need to just be stockpiling. Some of those people need to have opportunities with the Thunder. And with them probably not in contention, like I said, Krejci is the best option you could get to be bouncing back and forth. Because he can be the star with the blue. You bring him up. And then he's just like that bench guy who can give you a little bit of a kick. And that's what we saw with, for example, like a Ty Jerome. He came into the blue system, was kind of bouncing between six man and uh and starting point guard really with Xavier Simpson but look at him now he's a very good bench piece with the roster I think that's kind of the developments you want to be doing with Krejci and I guess Jerome's 24 now so he's three years younger he has a really good kind of area to maneuver with especially if you want to go that two-way route like I said it's got to be two-way at minimum if not, you can just bring him in on a 15, uh, you know, one of the 15 roster spots, but we're pretty damn crammed right now. Like, off of memory, I think we have nine or 10 spots locked up with deals, and that's not even including a guy like Josh Hall, Jalen Horde, if he ends up sticking around. And then you have six draft picks already. So let's just say we only have nine. Let's be frugal about it. That's still 15, and maybe they don't take 55, right? It's at 14. You can bring in Kredgy on a full scale. That's lovely. What about Josh Hall, though? And what about the fact we don't even have a center right now? So it's kind of a battle. And for positional battles, he's that like one through three almost. He's pretty maneuverable because he's six foot eight. But even at that, I mean, there's a lot of figures kind of standing in his way. So I don't know how the Thunder are going to go about this. I like the idea of a two-way contract. Um, you know, obviously like one of those Moses Brown ones where I expect him to dominate and just spend all the days in the NBA. I really love him to death, but 
Brandon Rabar said that his kind of deal, I mentioned him earlier, but his kind of deal where you buy out a contract from Europe, he said he talked to Nick Collison's agent about this. Number one, if you do that, it's not for a G League spot. So it could potentially also be for a two-way. He said it was kind of weird wording, like possibly you can't buy out a contract to put him on a two-way deal. That's really weird to me, to be honest with you. But let's say it can't be a two-way either. Then he'd be one of those 15. And that's that's pretty big to be given up to somebody right now. I want to see him in the Thunder uniform, no doubt about it. But if that's the construction of this deal, it makes it very interesting to see kind of what the fallout would be between all the guards and maybe some of those other guys. Like, um, I don't know, like a Gabriel Deck. I don't know. That's just a random name I'm tossing out there. But if he takes up a spot, that's one more spot you're taking away from those draft picks. Five of our six are extremely, extremely valuable. We picked Kredgy at 37. Those five picks I talked about, all are higher than that one. We got 34 and 36 in that second round. So we got a heap of talent we're going to be bringing in. If you want to bring Kredgy in, that's great. But you need to start monitoring some of the roster and I would have to assume some trades need to be made in order to kind of get this full draft class in and then spice it up with another dude like Vit Kredchi. But just talking a little bit about him, I mean, I discussed right after the draft, I talked about Poku, Maladone, Kredchi, and Hall. Kredchi, he's a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything. And I mentioned he's a six foot eight guy and his tape for the last two seasons is very weird because he simply just hasn't really played that much. With Zaragoza, two years ago, he played 18 games, averaged 7.6 minutes. This past season where he ended up tearing his ACL, two games, in those two he averaged six minutes. And in the year before, he averaged 3.2 points. So it's not like he has that like Luka Doncic, look at my resume overseas. No. He doesn't have any of it, and it's not even like a Poku where he's putting numbers up in the lower tiers. He's in a high tier, just not really putting up the crazy averages you'd like to see, but the fact he's even there is kind of a statement because climbing those ranks to the Liga ACB, is it's pretty good. So anyways, when you want to talk about Krejci, he he has the tools. I'll put it like that, and with that... I mean, he's not the most fast guy. I kind of look at him as kind of like that Thomas Sadoransky if he does play point guard because at six foot eight, yeah, he's pretty damn mobile. Um, he has some decent ball handling skills, and that's good. I think passing wise as well, he's very good at kicking out, especially on those drives and dishes. Uh, and I said it before, I'm going to say it again. I, I kind of see him more as that like wing type of player, and I wonder what he looks like more off the ball because even now like SGA he's the ball handler in that first unit second unit we'll have to see how things shake up and who sticks around but I'm assuming Teo or Ty Jerome is the point guard in that second unit and Kredgy would not be so I look at him as a shooting guard or small forward maybe he can grow into that kind of multiverse defender to where you can put him there with kind of no discussion whatsoever but yeah, I mean, off the ball, he is pretty damn athletic. He is good at kind of slashing in backdoor, but also he can give you that secondary playmaking. I just don't know about 
you know, the full length of the game. That's your guy taking the ball, um, ball pass the timeline. But yeah, I mean, his shot is pretty damn fluid. I'd say it's pretty, it's pretty fast. Uh, but there's not really that sample size and I don't have the, the stats before Zaragoza, like when he was in the lower tiers, but I do remember it was kind of wavering around like the mid thirties, which is not really that bad. Like a 35% three point shooter. I think that's probably better than what Lou Dort did. So if you're shooting 35, you're, you're pretty decent on the catch and shoots. And if he is kind of steady there, yeah, you sit him in the corner and you let him work from downtown, but you could also put him in that wing position where you could kick it out to him. He could pop it or he could go ahead and drive because one of my favorite qualities about him and why I love him so much as potentially that off ball wing is this guy is ferocious around the basket and he's not going to be throwing down crazy posterizers like and I'm saying that Cameron Johnson murdered like PJ Tucker yesterday so maybe he could go ahead and posterize some people but he's not flying out of the gym but he does have some decent hops to him if he rehabs 100% from the ACL, of course, he has some pretty good hops, so he can dunk for sure, and in transition, he will fly up there, get some good dunks in, probably just those like rim grazer dunks, nothing too wild, but he gets it done. The big deal with me, though, is how he absorbs contact when he wants to drive in to the lane, and he wants to initiate contact, and overseas, you can get away with a little bit more of these tough calls, and the NBA you know, depending on the person, if you graze somebody, it's going to be a free throw regardless. And I don't know if Credgy gets that, but uh, gets that kind of treatment. But I mean, if you make him one of those superstars, give him that status, he's going to get a free throw every time he drives in because he wants that contact. And regardless of hand, he's pretty damn good at getting the shot to go in. And I believe that he is a... Um, what is it? Yeah, he's a right-hander. He's a right-hander, but even on the left hand, he's pretty good at finishing off those layups. So that's kind of where I see him at. I kind of look at him as one of those point forwards, and he can play a point guard. So if you want to go that route and say he's going to be strictly the point guard, it's whatever. Like, that's his natural position almost. But I just say in terms of fit and where the team is kind of walking towards right now, I kind of like him playing the two or three, maybe rolling the dice there just for a little bit. Test him in those waters. See if he can pan out for you because he is sort of a, a sitting gold mine. And it's not just the slashing. It's not just that catch and shoot. He also has a pretty solid pull up and it, it is a quick release. So I don't know. I'm not going to say for certain he's this shooter for sure. If I'm going to say anything, it's he's very good at attacking the basket and for his size, he's not the fastest, but in transition, he looks pretty damn fast. And in the half court setting, he does have some pretty good dribble moves. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just seeds over seeds. Every single part of the game, you drop those in. That's Vit Kredge. The potential is very damn good for him. And when I want to compare him to someone in this draft class, I'd probably say someone like Vrenz. And I had his last name down pat last time. I'm going to say Blindberg. It might be off a bit, but you know who I'm talking about. The six foot eleven point guard, that's who I look at. And when you look at where his stock is going, his stock is anywhere from like 15 to 35. He is the Poku 
of this draft class. And I truthfully believe if Vit Kregi would have played in Zaragoza this whole entire season, he would have been in this same group as Renz where he could have been picked in the first round and you don't bat an eye. So I think we got extremely good value with him when we did. And when people who don't know about this guy end up watching him, they're probably going to be pretty damn surprised. And I'm so excited to see him because he's already been with the system. He's kind of like that Ben Simmons rookie where he's been with the mentors. He's been working. I think he's going to be ready for next season, whether it's in the blue jersey or in the thunder jersey. Just keep him in the back of your mind. I don't know what jersey number he's wearing. It's 27 all throughout his career. It's what it was on the blue roster. I think 27 is a really sick jersey number. So maybe he wears that too. And I might just have to cop one of his jerseys. But that's the news on Vit Kregi. Just like I said, remember him for, uh, for a little while. And probably a little bit more than a little while. Anyways, moving on to the next story I want to talk about. It is the series that I just mentioned, Buy or Bluff, and this time, it's with Colin Sexton and the Oklahoma City Thunder, and if this is just something that's hitting you like out of nowhere, I totally get it. This little rumor hit me like a truck. I did not really think of this outside of like a Bleacher Report story that we all know was written by just some random person. Like, There's no credibility towards it, but there was a pretty credible source that came out and said that there's actually a couple teams interested in Colin Sexton right now, and the Oklahoma City Thunder happens to be one of them. And this comes from Sam Amico of Hoopswire, and he ended up saying that Cavaliers guard Colin Sexton is, is attracting some interest from the Heat, the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Pacers, the Thunder, and the Los Angeles Lakers. And out of that list, you can kind of start picking and choosing what makes sense. Lakers, sorry, Kyle Kuzma's not getting it done for you. You got to give a little bit more than that guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at a guy like Colin Sexton, it sort of makes sense why the Thunder would be in the running for him. And at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Because when you check out what the Cavaliers have, they have a pretty unique scenario. And I talked about this in the mock draft. I also talked about this in one of my earlier or one of my latest podcasts where I mentioned, can the Thunder crack into the top three? And I think I said the Cavs actually would be willing to do a deal here, but it's really just based upon what kind of situation you end up finding with this team because they have two very good young guards in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Colin Sexton, he ended up averaging 24.3 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 4.4 assists for the Cavs last year. And that was 60 games, so it wasn't a fluke. Was it empty stats? That's for debate, but it's clear. This guy is very, very good at scoring. And you also have Garland, like I mentioned, he's very good. You got Isaac Okoro at the three, and you got Jarrett Allen at the five. There's a hole at the four position and they have pick number three so if everything lays out how it should um I think it'd be Cade Jalen Green at two and then you have Evan Mobley sitting there at pick number three and that's kind of an area where I could see them just taking Evan Mobley 
and walking away like that. Maybe they'd say, we like Scotty Barnes, we like Kuminga, and we want to get some more assets attached, and they'd be willing to just trade back to six or something with the Thunder. But I think the more interesting scenario that would really connect the dots here with Colin Sexton is if Houston just pulls an absolute shocker and doesn't select Jalen Green. They take Evan Mobley number two, and at number three, it would only make sense for the Cavs to trade down or select one of the guards remaining because when you look at the next best three guys, I I guess two guys, it's Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs at that point. Like out of the top four, group of however you want, it's Cade, it's Mobley, and it's the two Jalens. When you get to five and six, you have Scotty Barnes and you have Jonathan Kuminga. But if they are lodged at three with absolutely no uh, intent on selecting a guard, they'd probably want to trade back and get a forward. But there's also that side where maybe they are really interested in one of Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green. And I'd probably say Jalen Green more specifically because Green is not going to be there most of the time. I think Suggs is there regardless. He's more of that number four guy now. But if they're at a position where they can take Jalen Green, it'd be very hard not to pull the trigger on that guy. He can score from anywhere on the on the court. I think when you compare him to Colin Sexton from scoring the basketball, Jalen Green six foot six. Uh, Colin Sexton is six foot one. Jalen Green has a monstrous step back. He's a three level scorer. Colin Sexton's a three level scorer, but he doesn't have that height advantage. He does, he's not as versatile, I'd say, as a Jalen Green per se. So maybe they look at him and they say, you know what? Let's pick up Jalen Green. We already have all these guys on rookie scale contracts. Colin Sexton, he was drafted in 2018. So he's going to be getting his max contract money, not next year, but the year after that. That's when he's a restricted free agent. They're going to need to open up the pockets. They're, they're going to need to open up their pockets to, to get this guy. And... I don't know necessarily if they'd like to do that. There's this common perception that he's kind of just a ball-dominant guard, and it's almost like that that little token you, you slapped on Russell Westbrook a couple years ago. Oh, you can never win a championship with this guy. He doesn't care about his teammates. That's what Colin Sexton has been getting the rap for, and I know from some of the people I've checked out across the Cavs, you can check them out on the Basketball Podcast Network, the host on there, Zach Weiss, from what I've seen on Twitter, he loves the guy. So maybe he's not like that, and it's just like that Westbrook scenario. But if they want to move on from him and they don't want to pay a ton of money, it makes sense to take Green and just run it back. And that is where now Colin Sexton becomes this trade ship because, I'm sorry, you can't possibly run a three-guard rotation with those three. There's just one basketball three guys who want to be scoring it, right? And that's even excluding the other, you know, other players, first or second unit that also need the basketball to dominate with. So they'd probably need to move on from Sexton. And also, regardless of what happens, they need to move on from Kevin Love. He's like 32 years old now, and he's eating up $60 million in the next two seasons. That is horrid. You need to get rid of them. You, you need to get rid of Kevin Love. And to do that, you either need to attach some sweeteners like, this, like the number three pick, 
or you need to be attaching another guy like a Colin Sexton, who's really not a sweetener. That is the cream of the crop, but love, he might take him down a peg in terms of trade value if you'd like to package them up. And I'm assuming if they're going to get rid of Colin Sexton, they're obviously playing this for the future and they're playing this from the financial side. And they're also betting on themselves with Green or whoever. And to just double down, you want to get rid of Kevin Love too. Just logically, that makes sense. When you check out their roster, Jarrett Allen needs to be getting some money soon. So he'd be getting paid. And the years following, that's when you look at guys like Garland and Nicoro, whatever. But it gives you an increased window where you have a ton of cap flexibility. And if there's one team in the league who can take as much bad contracts as they want, it's Oklahoma City. When I look at the other teams linked here, let's check it out. Heat, Knicks, Pelicans, Pacers, Lakers. They can't afford to have a guy like Kevin Love. And now, could they, if he was in a buyout market, they'd all salivate over this guy. He'd be like the Blake Griffin almost. But you can't have that guy for 30 mil over the next two seasons. That's insane. Oklahoma City, they can do that. And they might be able to negotiate a buyout or something and get rid of him because they're never going to use that guy. We already have Poku. We already have Baze. Whoever we may get in the draft class, if it is a Barnes or Kuminga, we don't have a place for Ke- for Kevin Love. Like It's the same issue the Cavs have, so we might ax him. But regardless, you can take on that money and you can get a guy like Sexton who he's going to pair up next to SGA and doesn't limit you a little bit positionally. It sure does. Six foot one. I'm sorry. You're not going to be playing shooting guard, man. You have Colin Sexton at the one, SGA at the two, but you could have SGA bringing the ball up. And I think Sexton is a pretty competent player off the ball from the three point line last year. He did shoot 37% on just over four attempts, almost four and a half. And in the years before that, he's kind of just been wavering around there as well. Like he's averaging a 38.5% hit rate from downtown in his career so he is good at shooting from distance and that's a pairing that would that would make sense that's kind of that sidekick ideally you want another six five six six guy where it doesn't matter and you can have all this versatility one through five but whatever colin sexton he works and i don't know if i'd love him but it's clearly a pretty good option you know what i'm saying so You could try to make a deal like that. You get Sexton, you get Love, and hell, I don't even know. You can toss him a bone. You have 16, you have 18, you have six. By God, if you want to move him, move your sixth pick to get Sexton. Uh, And you also have 18 until 2027. There's so much you can dig into. And there's rumors saying they could throw a ton of picks towards the Pistons, probably even the Rockets too, where they could try to get someone higher. And I'd love that. I'd probably want a Cunningham or a Jalen Green above a guy like Colin Sexton. But, I mean, let's be honest here. At pick number six, you're not going to be selecting a point guard. At pick number 16 and at pick number 18, those guys that you'd be selecting at point guard, I don't necessarily know if they get their stripes before a guy like Teo. I think they'd have to start out on the bench. So, if you really want to elevate where the team is going right now, Colin Sexton makes sense age-wise with SGA. Skill-wise, he's also very, very good. So you lock those two up, and then you look towards the Pokus, you look towards the Baisleys, you look towards the Dorts, 
and say, how do we work around these two? Because right now, I think we all know it's kind of a one-man show, and that's not a slight against anybody. I just mean it in terms of we only have one all-star. You need more guys who are around that level. I think Colin Sexton is kind of wavering around there. Plus, he's only 22 years old, so it does make sense time-wise, and I mean, yeah, you can try to blend things together. I think if you make a move for Sexton, you're not going to be giving up an arm and a leg. I feel like they, at that point, if they do have a guy like Jalen Green, it'd almost be them just handing away any sort of momentum there because it's pretty damn obvious that they need to move on from Sexton or Garland. And let's not forget about him either. He's also in this this bunch, but he just he's not linked anywhere. So those are the two. I mean, and maybe, like I said, the Thunder could could sneak in there, make some sort of push because just solely based on assets, they're the front runner. They're better than any other of the 28 teams if they want to make a package. It just depends on, you know, if they are somewhat interested in and whatnot there. And when I was looking at this rumor, I didn't see much towards it. Like, you can just see these reports. It is what it is. Most of them are smoke screens. Truthfully, I think it's a smoke screen, but there's even more kind of sources. I know that even from the athletic, you had Jason Lloyd saying that he thinks Sexton is very available. So that might change things, maybe give it a little bit more credit. But regardless, man, I look at this rumor kind of as a bluff. I see this as a smoke screen, at least for right now. But I will say this, this will be a story that could potentially heat up as we near draft day because depending on what they do with that third pick, if they take a guard, Sexton's available, definitely. But if you end up getting Evan Mobley or you trade down, you get six and you don't have an extra guard for competition, I don't think he's on the market whatsoever. I think they're clearly pushing forward with Sexton and Garland kind of as that one-two um future at the two guard spots but yeah I-, I see this as a bluff like when you look at it draft day coming closer it's coming closer i talked about what we saw from alex roig i guess the thing from island styles with that little grinch emoji that might have been a completely different thing i don't really know but with alex roig that little talk about okc and multiple or historic number of first round picks for the Pistons like I don't know that might be a smoke screen that someone just tossed his way I look at this though and yeah I mean this is just a um this is a story that I think people would eat up like on the blog side of things this is a story you eat up I've even written about this because who doesn't love writing up hypotheticals with a sexton or whoever it is just a pretty decent big name that you can talk about for a bit. And let's not forget, by the way, I didn't mention it until now. You have Kemba Walker. I don't know what goes on with him. I think this is kind of a deal where you just forget he even exists. And hell, I kind of forgot he exists. But whatever. He is on a Thunder jersey. Just uh, got to remind yourself that every every so often. Got to give it that refresher there. But that's my take. I think for right now, it's nothing more than a rumor. I am not putting much thought into this i'd be looking more into what's going on with the pistons and what's going on with those draft picks i think i'd probably look at one through three 
as a higher priority than what's going on with Sexton. But still, you need to check out the, you know, check out the Cavaliers, see what the rumor mill is with them, and maybe, just maybe, there might be some more big stories coming out from like the Woges or the Shams where you can say, okay, this is actually happening. The Thunder could be in some sort of transaction with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But for me, I think that does it for this episode, guys. I should get back to draft coverage in a little bit here. I did the mock 1 through 18. I said I'd try to expend or ex, um, extend it, my bad, to 1 through 36 because that's where the Thunder's next two are. I might even talk about 55 for the fun of it. But yeah, I'll probably tackle that in a little bit. It's not like I just completely forgot about it. Um, you know, there was just other stories like Crunchy for instance. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.